Americas live and underway here on ESPN Plus on this wonderful Thursday alongside my good man Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Episodio 145, Herc. We are chugging along to 150. 145, look at that. Not canceled yet. I'll take it. <laughs> that should be the uh, hashtag of this show. Hashtag <laughs> not canceled yet. Hopefully we don't get canceled in our next couple shows because we got some big ones, B-I-G ones coming up. Yeah, We're not going to give any spoils, uh, spoilers at least, uh, just not yet. Today's a big show. We got an interview coming up in just a few minutes with the president of U.S. soccer, Cindy Parlo-Cone. She's going to join us to talk about all things uh, under the Federation's watch. We've also got the roster for the MLS All-Star team going to face off against Liga MX on August 10th, which of course means we're going to have a fight over who got snubbed, right? Who got left off the list. And we also have a keen eye on what's happening down in Mexico right now. The U.S. women's national team playing against Costa Rica in the semifinals of the CONCACAF W championship. But, Herc, uh, we have to start this show with the existential crisis, my man, that is threatening to swallow all of Mexican soccer. On Wednesday, FMF, the Mexican Federation, announcing that Gerardo Torrado had been fired as general sporting director, a role that the three-time World Cup participant had held since around 2017. Also out, Ignacio Hierro, director of the national teams. Also out, Luis Perez, under-20 coach, who failed to qualify for the U-20 World Cup and Olympics. Monica Vergara, the women's national team coach, her fate still to be decided. As for why, let's hear from the president, John de Luisa. Los resultados obtenidos en las últimas semanas por la selección sub-20 varonil y la selección mayor femenil que significaron un duro golpe para el fútbol mexicano y sobre todo para nuestra afición, nos obligan a actuar en consecuencia. Después de realizar un análisis a profundidad y en una plática de mutuo acuerdo con los involucrados, decidimos llevar a cabo una reestructuración en la Federación Mexicana de Fútbol, la cual implica las siguientes acciones. Gerardo Torrado deja su cargo como director general deportivo. Ignacio Hierro deja su cargo como director deportivo de selecciones nacionales. Y Luis Pérez deja su cargo como director técnico de la selección sub-20 varonil. En el caso de Mónica Vergara, directora técnica de la selección femenil mayor, será la nueva dirección deportiva quien haga una evaluación y determine las acciones a seguir. Joining us now from Mexico City, Mauricio Pedrosa. Mal, great to have you with us. First of all, just paint me a little picture. What, what's the vibe down there? You're right now in the ESPN studios, right? Is it, is it all panic stations or what? It's, uh, yeah, panic is the right word. <laughs> it, the, the, the pessimism. And you know our, our colleagues here in Mexico City are not the most optimistic when it comes to talk about the Mexican national team. Well, the pessimism that I sense here, I haven't felt it in a long, long time. But, I mean, a lot to talk about. I, I'll, I'll tell you this. There's a few fellas near me that were very, very surprised by the decision-making mm. of Yon de Luisa. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll deep dive on that. All right, so let's get into the big decision from Jon de Luisa, and it has to do with Gerardo Torrado. That's the big name that everybody sees. So, Mao, do you think he was deserving of being fired right now? Yes, he had to go. Um, the moment his decision-making actually hurt the pockets of the owners, that's when he had to go. The fact that the Mexican national team is not going to be a part of the Olympic Games, the fact that the Mexican national team is not going to be a part of an under-20 World Cup, that all represents a lot of money that the Mexican Federation is not going to earn. So the moment you mess with the business, you're done. And his decision-making was a lot, was giving a lot of head-scratching to a lot of people. Why did he appoint Luis Perez when he barely had any experience? Why did he let Monica Vergara make decisions like leaving out Charlene Corral. So the fact that he had very, very little control with those teams, I think it just spoke volumes of uh, the mishandling of the national teams. Therefore, he had to go. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, it's not funny. It's kind of crazy to me that we're, we're talking about a team that finished, I'm talking about the men's team for a second, that finished second in World Cup qualifying. Okay? Only due to goal differential. And they won a Olympic medal not too long ago. And here we are saying, he's out. He's got to go. But it shows you the pressure. It shows you the culture that is Mexican football. And he absolutely had to go. Mal mentioned the money that he was going to cost the owners. And that's pretty much all you need to be on your way out. But the buck stops with him. His role is 
to take care and oversee all the national teams. So he's not only responsible for the full national team, he's responsible for the men's, women's, the U-20s, the U-23s, the U-17s, et cetera, et cetera. A lousy to loan tournament. I don't even know what that tournament's called anymore, but they had a lousy to loan tournament. Uh, the U-20s failed to qualify for the World Cup and failed to qualify for the next Olympic Games. And then the women, in their own hosted CONCACAF tournament, couldn't score one goal. They couldn't score one goal hosting the tournament. And, and Mal mentioned the off-the-field aspect of how things have been handled on both sides. We can go to Tata Martino and the blacklisted players. We can go to Charin Corral being blacklisted by the Mexican Federation. Head scratch after head scratching moment. It, the buck stopped with him. He had to go. What's the priority? What's the priority here for the Mexican Federation? Let's be real honest. If we looked at their budgets, do they, do, are they really prioritizing the women's national team in the U-20s? No, they're prioritizing well, the men's national team. It's going to make team. money, Seb. Let me, just, let me just make this point. If Torrado needed to be fired, why four months before the World Cup? Why not after they lost in the Nations League in the Gold Cup to a C team? Right? If, if, if this is the problem, yeah. if we're going to fire him, why not then? That, this to me is, is, you may make the case that he's deserving to be fired. I think you might ask if he was deserving to be hired. This is a guy who went straight from Indy 11 in the USL, straight into yes. a, a management position at the FMF. And you can question the people that took that decision. But to me, to, to, to fire him four months before the World Cup, no, 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 no. The priority here has always been the men's senior national team. That's very clear by how the Federation acts. And if, if it was good enough to get you through the Gold Cup, if it was good enough Nations League, good enough qualifying, why are you letting him go now? That's what I don't understand, Mal. The, the answer is very simple. And I have to go back to my very first argument. He hurt the business. How much the money, how much money are you going to make from a U-20 World Cup, honestly? The you're Olympics? sponsorships. You're going to lose a cycle oh, of players. Don't, do, not, lose. Do, not, do not forget this aspect. Do not forget this aspect. Uh, the big TV networks here in Mexico pay a lot of money for the rights of broadcasting the Olympic Games. Which do you, you know what's the one sport that the fans actually get to watch during the Olympics? That's like when the Mexican national team soccer, soccer team plays. And that's it. So that's why they spend all that money. They're going to lose millions and millions of dollars because of that. Why didn't they fire Gerardo Torrado a year ago after losing the Gold, gold Cup? Nations League, World Cup qualifier games, because the business was still booming for the national team. So the, the moment you mess with the pocket, you're done and you're gone. That's the only reason why he was let go. Yeah, that's a little unfair of, of Seb calling out Gerardo Torrado like that because the first few years were very successful and I think the business as usual was going on and he was doing a good job of that. You, you mentioned why now because people are foaming at the mouth. They want blood. Mm. And if is it's that, not Gerardo Torrado, yeah, is that yes, how you take yes. big decisions? Hold on, hold on. Listen, if it's not yes. Gerardo Torrado, if, if, if Jan de Luisa doesn't take action on Gerardo Torrado and company, guess who's on the line? Guess who's next on the line next? Okay, that, that, that tells me that he doesn't deserve to be fired. That tells me that the person who deserves to be fired is a little bit further no, 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 no. up the chain. We will discuss that later on, I'm sure, because I don't think Yonda Luisa skates out of all this untouched at some point. Let's talk about the impact on the senior national team, specifically the World Cup. It is four months away. How do you think this impacts Mexico in Qatar, Mao? In no way at all. And that's very, very sad to hear. Very, very sad and concerning for me to say. Because you would expect that a decision like this would have an immediate impact on the senior national team. But truth be told, you know where Tata Martino is at right now? Do you think he's taking the time to go to stadiums all along Mexico to watch games? No, sir. He's in Argentina on vacation. So Gerardo Torrado had very, very little impact with the senior national team. I, the, the timing, it is kind of weird because it's, it's four months away from the start of the World Cup. But truth be told, all the, all the warm-up games, all the prep games are already set. There's not going to be any massive change that Gerardo Torrado could have done in four months. So uh, it, it, in terms of, this, of the senior national team, I think it has no impact whatsoever. Oh, I don't know about that. I think this is going to have a major impact. Listen, you're losing all that money on the back end because it's no longer there. The Olympics, the U-20 tournaments, the future uh, World Cup participation on the women's side, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to have to make it up somehow. And all these sponsors want to see what? The big players. And who do they want to see the most? Mm. Javier Hernandez. And we've been hearing things like this all the time. The sponsors want Javier Hernandez. On, and Hurt. that's part of the reason he's still the, on the tongue of these pundits and et cetera, et cetera. I will say this, okay? If you want to leave out Javier, leave out Javier. The leash has just gotten shorter. 
Hmm. for everybody. Tata Martino, Jan de Luisa, everybody. If you thought pressure was bad now, I don't know one Mexican fan, one Mexican pundit who thinks it's going to get any better in Qatar. I, listen, you mentioned Tata Martino was on vacation. I saw pictures of him attending News Old Boys uh, games. I just saw Fútbol Picante, I believe it was last night, and Paco Gabriel de Anda, our colleague, was like, why is Greg Berhalter, and I don't know if this is true, why is Greg Berhalter at the U20 tournament in Honduras why do hmm. we see him there, the full national team coach of the U.S. men's national team, and we don't see Gerardo Torrado? Oh, I'm sorry. We don't see Tata Martino. We don't see Gerardo Torrado. We don't see Young De Luisa. I mean, he went down a list of names of players or people, excuse me, that he didn't see at said tournament. The leash is shorter. Hmm. It's wild to me that it won't impact the national team. That's crazy. That tells you that Torrado really doesn't have that much of an impact at all. Um, and I think it's very clear to say that Tata Martino's biggest ally and most important ally is still there. That's Young De Luisa. That's the guy that hired him. Torrado, Torrado doesn't protect Tata. It's Yon de Luisa that at the end has to protect him. All right. So right now, you don't think so? I don't think he hired him. No, I, think, I don't think that was Yon de Luisa. I recall, being, I recall being at that restaurant when they were talking to Tata Martino and Carlos Bocanegra, and I didn't see Yon de Luisa. Okay. All I, right. I, I saw Dennis de Close. I, I saw, who was it? It was Gerardo Torrado and, and somebody else was there, but it yeah. wasn't Yon de Luisa. Okay, Mao. Nacho Can Mexico Nacho is... Can Mexico escape this spiral? Do you think that, that there's a way out for Mexican football from this? Listen, Seth and Herc, you both know this. We are a very, very uh, religious fan base. So the only way to get out of this trend is getting on our knees and start praying right now. Because I don't see <laughs> one tangible element that will allow me to say right now, yes, if this happens, then Mexican soccer can get out of that trend. Not what we have right now, not with what we have right now. Players are not at the best level. We'll see how the start of European leagues will bring a different element for Tecatito Corona, Raul Jimenez, Chucky Lozano, Edson Alvarez. But right now, the whole Mexican soccer is down spiraling in a way that I haven't seen in a long, long time. I don't think Gerardo Martino, because everything is going to, this, this conversations will go away if Mexico makes it past group stage at the World Cup and by some strange reason, they make it to El Quinto Partido. But the actual moment under actual conditions, I don't see how Mexican soccer gets out of this trend. This would just be the icing on the cake, cherry on top, right, for Mexican soccer and what they've had. And I, I've described it as the worst era in Mexican football. If you look at the totality of everything, I mean, World Cup qualifying, they don't win. In World Cup qualifying, they only get one win when playing Costa Rica, Canada, and the United States men's national team. They got dominated by those teams. They lose the Nations League final here in CONCACAF. They lose the Gold Cup final in Las Vegas versus a C team. Now everything that just transpired with the youth national teams, the women's side, this would be icing on the cake. This would be the cherry on top. And yet, how many times have we been here? Mm. 2002, Javier Aguirre, come rescue us. 2010, Javier Aguirre, come rescue us. 2014, Graham Susie, please rescue us. Here comes Miguel Herrera, Piojo Herrera. We've been down this road before, and yet... Alongside Brazil, they are the only national team to get past the group phase, the last seven Thank World you. Cups. We've yeah, been down here before. We've seen it happen. I don't even think they need to get to the quinto partido. They just need to make it out of the group. Yeah. The ultimate fracaso, no, would be to not make it out of the group. But I think, I think the point is that the history tells us that the senior Mexican men's national team does not need to be either playing well or have a necessarily positive vibe around it to get out of the group phase. But long term? Long term for both the senior national team and the, the rest of Mexican football, the exportation, all the things we talk about all the time on this show. I'm kind of with Mal, man. I, I don't really see this turning around. Yeah. Let's see if let's see if we can find a solution. Who should be the next sporting director for the Mexican Federation? And I'm not necessarily looking for a name, though you can throw a name out. I'm really looking for a profile. Right. Do we want somebody? Yeah. Uh, pantalón largo. No, like a suit. Somebody right. from an, ex an executive, an administrative person. Or does it need to be a player or coach? Matt, what do you think? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it kind of on a very low voice because what I'm about to say, if, if, if Hugo Sanchez is around here, if Paco Ooh. Gabriel de Anda is near, and they hear this, and they both speak perfect English, so they'll understand what I'm about to say. But it has to come 
from a European country. It has to come maybe from Argentina. It cannot be someone who has been a part of this toxic environment that is Mexican soccer right mm. now. So the fact that I've heard someone throwing out, well, now someone, Hugo Sanchez, put his own name on the table. The fact that someone is even mentioning Ricardo Ferrete when he has zero experience working as an executive, that to me is just baffling. It has to be someone who's a complete stranger to the dynamics of Mexican soccer, to the toxicity of Mexican soccer at uh, executive level. And they had one like that. It was, it was Dennis Teclose, and he told us, me and Herc, I don't know if Herc was in this conversation, but he said, I had a lot of plans, I had a lot of connections, I presented a plan, and they said, you know what, Dennis, we have to play in the States to make some money. Why don't you go with your plan and, and, and try something else? But if they want to improve things, it has to be someone either from Europe or South America. Okay, I'll buy. Uh, I'll, I'll even bite on that. Uh, uh, that's fine. Um, I didn't think you were going to go that route, but you do bring up interesting points about the toxicity in Mexican football and how you need somebody who's going to restructure everything. Fine. It still needs to be somebody that's not a business person, not a mm. pantalón largo like you refer to him, not a suit. It needs to be somebody who is sporting, making sporting decisions. There are all these fallbacks in Mexican football, and you mentioned it. Hugo Sanchez, who will always throw his name in, even though I think he was confused by the question and thought they were talking about the Mexican national team head coach. <laughs> yep. So he yep, threw his yep, yep, name yep, in yep. the hat that's, there. That was so funny, dude. But, but <laughs> it's the fallback of Ricardo Ferretti. It's the fallback of Ricardo Lavolpe. It's the fallback of Somebody in that, if you will, uh, stack of cards that they always reuse and reuse. That playing deck. They play with one deck of cards in, in Mexican football, and it's hurt them at league play, and it's hurt them at the federation level. But it needs to be somebody who's going to make sporting decisions. Hey, Herc. Hey, Herc. I got a name for you. And uh, I, I just hope I'm not, I'm not touching a delicate subject right now. But I got a name for oh, you. Okay. Someone who was a former Mexican national team player. Someone who has a lot of experience at the management level and someone that the three of us know very well, Tato Noriega. Ooh. He's a smart guy. He's, he's a, got good connections. He's a very smart guy. He's a former national guy. team player. He's a very he's, smart and, guy. And he's an honest guy. He's an honest, clean Can, can dude. an honest guy work in Mexican I put, football? I would put Tato Noriega. Hey, all right. I'll, I'll take that. If uh, it's that, I'll, I'll take unfair. that. I'll just put that's the name unfair. out there. That's Tato unfair. Noriega is a very I, I good candidate. That, if, I'm, if, if I can be candid for a second, I think Tato Noriega is too smart to take this position. Hmm. I, I think it's a no-win no yeah, type point. of position. And, and a guy like Tato Noriega, I don't know if he'd want to go down that road. Mao, I don't know if you're going to get what you want. Yon de Luisa said it has to be somebody that knows Mexican football. There could be somebody from Europe or somebody from South America that knows Mexican football. But if he's saying that in terms of requirements... Dennis Teclosa knows Mexican football, and okay. he happens to be not Mexican. Right, right, right. But Hans Westerhoff knows Mexican very, football. Yeah, but those are guys who came and learned the football here, right? Yeah, but, but, that, but that's different because we're not getting If he's saying it's somebody toxicity. that has to know Mexican football now, that means they don't know Mexican. No, 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 no. Nobody he's saying, knew he's saying somebody new. Matt wants somebody toxicity. new. We're not getting somebody new. In that position, you've never had Dennis Teclosa. I want somebody new, yeah. Uh, yeah but you, hey, 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 Seb. That's, that's no problem. Yonel Luisa keeps telling us that the Mexican League is top 10 in the world. So it doesn't matter where they are. I'm sure they know the Mexican League, right? So even if they, if they come from another country, hey, according to Yonel Luisa, they should know Mexican soccer. Look, in the debate over player, coach versus suit, I think it's less important the sporting director, if we're really being honest. It's who's the president, right? It's who, where does, you said the buck stops with Gerardo Torrado. No, the buck really stops. Well, the buck really stops with the owners, but they choose the president. And so the buck really stops at the president. So the person with the final say in decision-making, for me, always has to be somebody with a football background. And I, I don't think that's the case right now in Mexican soccer. For a long time, it wasn't the case here in the United States. Final word, Herc. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. You, you delegate. That's why you have sporting directors. That's why you have mm. director de selecciones. I've, if I had the president doing or worrying about every single thing and not delegating, what, what good are the other positions for me?
totally correct, right? Bayern Munich, they don't have a, oh, Oliver Kahn's their CEO. Yeah, they don't, they don't delegate that to somebody. Yeah, that's why I want they? Bayern Munich books. works pretty well. Oliver Kahn, that's why I want yes. cooking the uh, books. Next time you want to correct me. Except compared uh, just, to Bayern with no, Mexico City. John wow. de Luisa Unbelievable. Uh, took over in, in 2018. When was Tata Martino hired there, Herc? Yeah, but you, you hold on a second. You, you said he hired him. You said he wasn't. <laughs> yes, he's the president when he takes over. <laughs> You're right. Jimmy Pitaro hired me. <laughs> Okay. So who hired him? <laughs> Mickey Mouse hired me. So who hired him? I just told you who. We were there. Seb, you and I were at the dinner meeting when this process went down. We looked across the room. There's Carlos Bocanegra in Atlanta in this steakhouse. There's Tata Martino next to him. There's Dennis De Close. There's Gerardo Torrado and some other guy who I don't recall who... Nacho Hierro. Nacho, Nacho Hierro. Yes. who, who uh, my good friend Mal Pedrosa is telling me it was. You were there, Seb. Did right, you so, see Yolanda Luisa? So the president of the federation doesn't, yes, the doesn't do the hiring. the guy who was in charge right. of Televisa, the guy who was in charge of a television network and doing soap opera was at that meeting saying, hey, I like the way you do tactics. You're right. Okay, Mauricio, uh, we, Herc and I will continue fighting. We'll let you go for the rest of your wonderful night in Mexico City. Be well. I'm, I'm going to go for some tacos. Have a good one, you boys. Oh, I know the tacos you're going for. They're so good. Uh, incredibly jealous. Enjoy, my man. All right, more on Mexican soccer now. Have you seen this? Rafa Marquez has been announced as the new manager for Barcelona Athletic, uh, better known as Barca's B team. What a style. He's going to play in third tier, managing the third tier of Spanish football. He, of course, uh, played for Barcelona for seven years between 2003 and 2010, won a couple Champions Leagues and uh, four La Liga titles. Herc, what's a better first job? Not technically his first job, but what's a better job to launch your managerial career? Barça B or something in Liga MX? Can I ask you a question before I answer? What's the biggest club in Mexico? América. Club América is the biggest club in Mexico for you? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. For me, yeah. There was a guy named Santiago Solari who came from Real Madrid B, Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Literally the equivalent of Barcelona where Rafa Marquez was. And the most he achieved was an interim tag at Real Madrid. And he became head coach of Club America. The biggest club in Mexican football, according to you. So now you're asking me. What's better, Barcelona mm-hmm. B or anywhere in Liga Mexico? It's Barcelona B, man. You're literally one stop, one spot, one step away from being the head coach of one of the biggest brands, one of the most legendary clubs in world football. It has to be Barcelona B. This is an unreal opportunity for Rafa Marquez. And the question, quite frankly, is insulting. You insulted me. Wow. You would, so, I mean, obviously, a Liga Mackey's job would be more high profile on, in this hemisphere, right? Oh. More people here are going to pay attention to it. Probably a higher paying job, too. Yeah. But, man, yeah. the shelf life. So, I'm thinking more about it just like first gig. He's going to have an incredible leash, right? Not only is he club legend is probably too strong, but a big name at Barcelona. No, I think he's, La, you know, that's a legendary team he him. played for him. Yeah, yeah. Like, Laporta absolutely loves him, so he's going to have a long leash. They're in the third tier. Uh, there will be some pressure. The guy who couldn't get him up to the second division last year is obviously gone, but it won't be anywhere near the pressure. He's got a two-year contract. And to your point, I mean, there's obviously the Santi Solari example. There's a Pep Guardiola example, right? You yeah. can go from Barcelona Bay to a lot of places. I don't think he's going to step into the Barcelona job, but if you have success at, at this spot, you could get, in theory, another pretty decent-sized European job. And if Rafa Marquez at He's 43 now, I think. In his mid-40s, had like a big job in Europe or a solid club job in Europe. That would be a huge step for Mexican football. Yeah, he's got, and I say this with the most upper, the most respect I can, he's got the stench of Barcelona on him. And now if they happen to be successful, the mm-hmm. first team, and you're with uh, the Barcelona Bet team, with a, and I will say legendary center back. There are very few center backs in the world, especially at that time, that came out playing the way he did. There's a reason he's there. They want to instill that Barcelona from the back philosophy, and there's no better man for that because of what he does as a player. Now, as a coach, lot to be seen, okay? Mm-hmm. No body of work. His first job that he's had in football was Atlas. He was a, a directivo. He was part of the, uh, if you will, a board of directors. No, not board of directors. Um, the, what do you call it there? Front office, thank you. Front office of, of Atlas and left a lot to be desired. Did not go his way. Um, did not lead the way maybe he would have liked. This seems like a move for me with a huge upside, very little downside there for Rafa Marquez. Uh, let's move on. Orbelin Pineda, have you seen this? He has a new home, and it's a different home than the one we told you about on Monday. That was Standard Liege. Now it's AK Athens, where he'll be reunited with, there he is, Matias Almeida, 
course, the two work together at Chivas. The 26-year-old makes the move on loan from Celta de Vigo. Uh, speaking of Celta, their manager had this to say about Orbelín. Si continuara con nosotros, podría tener este, eh, o se sentiría de otra manera, mucho mejor, mucho más adaptado, pero bueno, tiene una posibilidad que él ha, ha decidido aprovecharla, el club se lo ha permitido y va a tener más, más facilidad de, este, de, de que le han garantizado esa participación. Yo realmente no le podía garantizar esa participación y bueno, él, él eh, de, decide ir a un lugar donde se pueda mostrar y, eh, y tener más chance de quedar dentro de la convocatoria. Kurt, help me with a little translation here with the shots fired. Are these shots warranted? Maybe Are not. they really shots? Yeah, I, I think they are shots. I think they're subtle. I think it's a cachetada de guante blanco. You know, it's, it's like a backhanded compliment, if you will. Mm -hmm. he, he's, he's pretty much saying, like, listen, man, I can't guarantee you any playing time, but your footballing daddy can. Mm -hmm. And if you want to go there, go ahead, because that's where you will play. His footballing daddy being Matias Almeida. Uh, th th there's a reality here. Um, Orbelin Pineda is a very talented footballer. But the last productive year he had at the club level as a productive footballer was 2017 under Matias Almeida. He was 21 years old. That was five years ago. And we've not seen the best out of him for five years at the club level. So now he's going to go somewhere with Matias Almeida. Who happens to get the best out of players? We saw it with La Chofi Lopez in San Jose. He was written off and you could say whatever you want. There's a, a steep a drop in level from Major League Soccer to whatever part of the world you want to say. Fine, whatever. But he gets the best out of those players and he's proven it over and over again. And heading into a World Cup year, that's exactly what Orbelin Pineda needs. It's interesting. I mentioned that he's he's on loan. Technically, still property of Celta. They're, they're saying, oh, he's a jugadorazo. They're, they're kind of saying all the nice things. And then you look back and you're like, well, why didn't you keep him? Why didn't you use him? I would say this, too, about the move. Remember when we talked about Standard Liège? I was a little bit disappointed. I wanted to see him stay in La Liga. I'm not crazy about the drop-off from La Liga to Greece for a player, but the Almeida factor there, the yeah. fact that he's going to have a guy who's going to take care of him, is worth more than being on a mid-table team in La Liga for me. That is huge with months to go for the World Cup for this player. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Let's talk about Herc, another Mexican national team player in a bad situation. Now that Orbelin is seemingly out of his, and that's David Ochoa, who posted on social media that he's, quote, not allowed to train with the team, of course, his team RSL, and that he also can't leave. Ochoa's last first team start was back in April, Herc, in the Open Cup. His contract expires at the end of the year. Are you cool with RSL's handling of their young goalie? Nah, I'm not cool with it. Listen, you could say whatever you want about David Ochoa. He's arrogant. He's a bad teammate. Um, toxic for the group. Whatever you might think about him, make any excuse you want. Put that there. This is just a bad business practice hmm. for Ralph Salt Lake. It's uh, sign with us an extension so we can make money off of you in a future sale or get punished, or we will freeze you out. And being a player who's been frozen now, I have a, I have a bad, bad 
time thinking this is allowed to happen in Major League Soccer. They're going to say all these different things about Davide Cho, and maybe some of them are true. But the reality is he doesn't want to re-sign because he can leave on a free in six months, and they are punishing him for it. This is a bad business practice. If you're Ralph Salt Lake... Hey, but it's not that uncommon, right? Not just in MLS. I feel like we see this all over the world. Guys get bullied into contract What you're doing is you're letting a player just go to waste. Okay, so this is six months of his... Because it's not about talent because he was good enough to be the third goalkeeper in a Nations League that the U.S. won, and he was also good enough to be the third goalkeeper for the Mexican national team in their last Nations League participation, and he's still a teenager. So it's not about talent. It's about you saying, do what I want, do as I say, let me make money off of you. If not, you will be punished. And that is what's going on here. Yeah. RSL has uh, been telling quite a bunch of different stories as to why he's not available, right? First it was injury, then it was coaching decision, and this is the best one. Then it was working on fitness. Uh, Herc, remind me, uh, fitness for a goalie is what? Yeah. Good point. You know what? Can I can I, really quickly? Ralph Salt Lake's coming from one of the most embarrassing black eyes mm-hmm. in Major League mm-hmm. Soccer. Okay, Roy uh, uh, Hansen had, yes. had to sell sell the team, right? Yes, sell the team for racism, discrimination, what have you. This is now the third Mexican uh, prospect that doesn't stick around mm. for whatever reason. Okay, you had Carlos Salcedo. Who you let go to Chivas and blew up. Chivas then sold him. You had Bofo Salcedo, who goes to Pumas, does very well, and now is at Toluca. You had Danny Toya is another one. Why can't you retain these players? You are sitting on gold in Arizona. You have no problem having your academy there, but you don't want to showcase these players. That, to me, is a bad look. By the way, Herc, uh, David Ochoa, 21 years old and from? Oxnard, California, and where do you think I get my info from? 805, there, baby. There it is. I there it is. Sorry, so Hercules Gomez, one of, one of the most famous products of Oxnard, California. Uh, let's move on to Atlanta United. Actually, speaking of RSL, RSL played against Atlanta United on Wednesday. Ronaldo Cisneros, Herc, had a couple goals in this one. A brace for the ex-Chivas man. Looking good, huh? Looking real good. He's been a nice addition, a very nice surprise. For Atlanta United, Gonzalo Pineda seems to trust him. Had a conversation with his father, and look at that, he's producing a little goal celebration. My man's expecting. Absolutely. Now, he does this, perhaps most importantly, as a starter and with Joseph Martinez on the bench. Now, we should note, Joseph Martinez did come into the game as a substitute, but Ronaldo Cisneros got the start and scored two goals uh, as Atlanta snaps a four-game winless streak and picks up a 2-1 victory over RSL. Perhaps most interesting about all this is what the manager, Gonzalo Pineda, said after the game. You should put it on a t-shirt, a bumper sticker, whatever you want. I don't need heroes. I need warriors. You love that, Herc. <laughs> oh, I don't know what to make of this. <laughs> all right, elsewhere Wednesday, and you'll see where we're going with all, the, all this. The LA Galaxy facing off against San Jose Earthquakes. A Cali Classico, which by the way, underrated, like always delivers. Galaxy end up losing 3-2. The good news for them is Dejan Jovalic scores again and again. A brace for the Galaxy now is eight goals and two assists in MLS play this season. He can't stop scoring her. My man cannot stop scoring. And he's uh, really only, what, started four games. <laughs> Watch this goal. This is a piece of beauty. This has got to be a top 10 football Americas. I better see this in the top 10. This is ridiculous. Watch him drag the ball right there again. And a left-footed finish. So he's got three goals, Herc, in his last three games. By the way, all three of those starts. And, of course, all this happens with Chicharito in Major League Soccer's COVID protocol. So, Herc, who do you think is in greater danger of losing their starting spot between those big-name number nines in MLS? Joseph Martinez in Atlanta or Chicharito with the LA Galaxy? Really quickly, I think it's Joseph because Joseph's coming off a knee injury, hasn't really played too many games, even though he's more productive with minutes played to goal scored. Um, All signs are pointing like maybe he's on his way out. Mm. So I don't know if we're just going to see Gonzalo Pineda say, you know what, for my sake, I need to start winning games and Cisneros is is being productive. We'll go from there. But I don't see a scenario, and this is up in the air for, for Joseph, but I don't see a scenario, really. You look at the compare contrast right there. No scenario on God's green earth where Greg Vanny, Chris Klein, and the people of the galaxy are saying, let me pay this player $6.5 million a year. And when he does get chances, he does score, but he just doesn't get few chances because he's dependent on service. This was a, go ahead. And no, I was gonna say, talking about Chicharito, and say, he's out. 
I don't care what he does for me in the marketing front. I don't care what he does for me with the few looks he gets. He's out. Let yeah. me give it to Jovalich. That's not going to happen. Yeah, no chance. So this one was a tough one for me because I agree with you. There's just there's no conceivable way you would see the LA Galaxy benching a healthy Chicharito. But I, I will say this. I think the gap between Jovalich and Chicharito in terms of like how they are, what they are right now, is much smaller than the gap between Joseph Martinez and Cisneros. I, th- I know Cisneros is scoring and, and had a brace, uh, and he's scoring as many goals here as he has anywhere else in his career. But her, he's so inconsistent. He's so inconsistent for me. And so I, I just, for, I, I know what you're saying about Joseph Martinez. It seems like it's, it's toxic there. It may be coming to an end. So for that, I'll agree with you, right? If, if you're gonna move on from Joseph, do it mid-season. But is there a way you can get Chicharito and Jovalich on the on the field at the same time when both are healthy? Is there that is, the real big question that, for the Galaxy? I think that's the next move. That's the evolution of this Galaxy. Mm. The reality is the signings for the Galaxy have not been good. And we can talk about Douglas Costa. He had a few good moments when he came on the field. Uh, but of the few signings that have been very, very productive and very good, are, it's, it's Jovalich. It's, it's this player, and when he comes onto the field, he started four games. He's got more goals than Chicharito uh, in Major League Soccer play, more goals in Open Cup play. He doesn't depend on service. He can create his own shot. He's a player that combines well. He's got more assists. Uh, he does it in fewer minutes. Ironically, He's doing to Chicharito what Chicharito's done to other players his whole life, coming off the bench and putting pressure on the starting forward. There's going to come a time where Greg Vanny's going to say, I need to keep both of them on the field because I still think Chicharito is give him service, he will eat. Give him service, he will feast. But he's not getting that service, so there could be a time where you go 3-5-2, two forwards, three center backs, five across the midfield with this new Uruguay signing. Maybe you can see a Marquis Delgado and a Ravelosen uh, there, but it's been the guys on the outside. It's been Douglas Costa. It's been Cabral. It's been Grand Seer to, to an extent. Uh, these guys are not pulling their weight. And I know I've mentioned it used to mean something to play for, for the LA Galaxy, but it's the truth today. They lost the Cali Clasico. So what? First time in its history that they've lost two home games straight to San Jose. This has San Jose, who's one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, it's all coming to a head. I, yep. I don't think Javier Hernandez is the problem here. I've been seeing his name surface a lot online right now. There's been a lot of chatter amongst the fans, a lot of chatter amongst pundits. I don't think that is the issue. He's just a guy who doesn't create for himself. He depends on service. This is a poorly constructed team. Yeah, it feels like the Galaxy are kind of puttering along. Maybe getting Javier Chicharito on and on fire at the same time is the key for them to get back to the top of the Western Conference. Uh, elsewhere in MLS on Wednesday, how about this? A brace for the Chicago Fire. We don't give the Chicago Fire a lot of love on this team, but Jan Duran, the 18-year-old, got it done in a 2-0 victory, Herc, over Toronto. My man's part of the U22 initiative, young DP. Uh, he becomes the second youngest player to record a multi-goal game for the Fire. Guess behind who? Who? Take a guess. I have no idea. To Marcus Beasley. Wow, way back machine. Yeah, like in the 1970s. Chicago has that history. How old and is Beasley? And they got Beasley? a 2-0 win over Toronto, who Park continues to struggle, This huh? kid's 18? Okay. <laughs> Bigger than me? Look at that, man. What do they feed these guys? Oh, please. A young Hercules Gomez, I'm sure at 18, was just ripped. <laughs> Another big play out of MLS, and this is just a one. Look at the save from Joe Willis. Nashville beating Seattle 1-0. The well, big man preserving the lead. This is a ridiculous save, especially look at this angle. And he did it in front of the king, Stephen Fry. Like, this is a Stephen Fry-esque type of save. This is ridiculous by Joe Willis. Right? Shades of MLS Cup against oh. Toronto. Oh, I, I was there. <laughs> yes, you were there. Best seat in the house right there on the bench. <laughs> yeah. Big Where save. <laughs> from Joe Willis. Hey, did you see this? The MLS has announced their all-star team for the upcoming all-star game against the Liga Mekis squad August 10th in Minnesota. We got a list of 26 players, Herc. There you can see them. But far more importantly are the players that were left out. So who for you was the biggest snub? Who was the biggest name, the most deserving player left off this list? Diego Fagundes is what? the biggest snub in this what? all-star game. Yeah. What Diego about Jordi Mihailovic? That's your guy, right? My man hasn't been the same since he came back from his injury. And the goals and the assists will tell you that. Diego Fagundes, on the other hand, four goals, eight assists, 12 goal contributions. I am quite frankly surprised that a team that leads the West, no, 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 excuse me, leads the Supporter Shield race because that's supposed to be important to some of you people, at least the league, that's what they tell me. Don't look at me. Leads the Supporter Shield has one All-Star and 
it's not Diego Fagundes. I can understand Driussi, but Diego Fagundes is tearing the league a new one. This man is just as important as anyone on that team for Josh Wolf. One of my most favorite two-way players. He's been doing this for like 10 years, and he's only 27 years no, old. One of the OG HGs. One of the true pioneers of that I guess statistical category, if you want to call it homegrown statistical category. This man deserves to be there, and the fact that he's not there is a crime. I love that you brought up the fact that Austin needs a little bit more representation because they have been playing really, really well of late. I, I don't Texas. know that they're getting the I've never the been to Austin, but I probably hate that too. You've what? I've never been to Austin. Ah. Oh. Amazing. You would love it. But I, I just think they're not getting talked about maybe as much as they should for how well they're playing right now. I will admit I'm surprised you didn't pick Mihailovic just because you were you, you nailed it at the beginning of the season. You, you said he was going to your bold pick for MVP and he pretty much had lived up to it, right? That, that ankle injury uh, took the wind out of those cells. I, I still have I still have hopes for him. But when you go down the list, like, man, there are some players who are producing this year and there are no bigger player left off this roster who's producing like Diego Fagundes. My snub is up top. And it's San Jose Earthquakes' Jeremy Abobasi. This kid has 11 goals already this season. That's the same amount as Jesus Ferreira. And there's something about Jeremy Abobasi that just seems to go kind of underappreciated. He was one of the last guys cut hurt. If you remember, right when we started the show, the U.S. failed to qualify for the Olympics. It seems like a lifetime ago. He was one of the last guys left off of that team. We've seen him called into the national team. We've seen him used actually out wide with the national team. But man, he's really locked himself in here as a number nine. He's scoring a boatload of goals. I know it's San Jose. I know they're a team that doesn't get a lot of love. You could say that on that we're guilty of that on this show. But I just can't believe that there's an American scoring 11 goals. You got you gonna leave him out? You you, you want me? I'm to surprised give... we're not talking about him for the national team. To be honest. Give me my rebuttal. You, you want me to give San Jose love? They're one of the worst teams in Major League Soccer, one of the worst defensive. Okay. What about a forward who's scoring 11 goals, love? I, I, I will get there. Uh, your forward, and nothing against Jeremy Obese. Where's he from, by the way? Is, is he a DC guy? He is a DC guy, oh, yeah, absolutely. He's a DC guy. But that's a shocker. I can't believe you picked the DC guy. Okay. Um, there are, excuse me, 11 goals. Is uh, he not worthy? Uh, well, let me tell you about his worthiness. There are 14 other players who have just as many goal contributions, if not more. Okay? Among He's them... He's got goals. Listen to He's this. He's got goals. There's not this. 44 people with more goals than him. players who've done more. Among them, okay, one guy who's got one less goal, more goal contributions, who's younger, and his name is Brandon Vasquez, who happens to be American as well. Yeah, you go for Jeremy Obovisa, who plays for the San Jose Earthquakes, who's yep. from D.C. Like, that, that, that's your shout? Yep. You Jeremy Obovisi. Who are you going to take out of the snubs? Or uh, not the snubs, the people who are already in there. Take Chicharito out. He's not scoring. <laughs> you, you can't even tell me with a straight face. I can't. I can't. <laughs> And you, know, and you know he's not going to be the commissioner's pick either. You know he's not going to be the commissioner's no, pick. No, right. great individual, awesome story. I love every time he speaks. I wish more footballers would express themselves the way he does. Yes, but there are 14 players who have done just hey, but as you, much you as You laughed more. at my suggestion for the national team, but you've talked about Brandon Vasquez for the national team. I mean... Yeah, I have talked. And I, this I, guy's I been laugh. called Hold up on. by Berhalter. T out. Don't I, forget I, I it. Didn't, I didn't laugh at Jim Robisa for the national team. Okay, but there are players who aren't American who would probably be on the U.S. men's national team that are leading Major League Soccer in goals. Tati Castellanos would be a starter on the U.S. men's national team. There it is. All right, well, uh, let's tell you what MLS action we got coming up this weekend across our ESPN screens. Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern time, Atlanta United against Orlando City. Ooh, a nice little southeastern rivalry there. And then speaking of rivalries, the Hudson River Derby. Sunday, 5 p.m. Eastern time, that one on ESPN and ESPN Deportes. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. U.S. women's national team down in Mexico semifinals of the CONCACAF W Championship 34th minute. 
And the Americans take the lead through Emily Sonnet. How about the English on this one? Look at the backspin right here. <laughs> right back to you. I never got these type of plays, man. No? No. Oh, please. You were a poacher's poacher. Nah. First half stoppage time. Americans looking for a second. <laughs> and they're going to get it here. Okay, okay Rose. Okay, Rose. Play it back. Show my girl again. Look at Rose. Oh, no. That is filthy. Emily Sonnet involved here in the second half again. Goes out to Lavelle. How about that sweet left foot? The header right into the goal. That's Lindsay Horan. Ah, oh, she's going to want this one back. 67th minute. Off the corner. Sophie Smith pass. Oh, big save from the Costa Rican goalie. Yeah, the Tika coming up big there. Roosevelt comes up across her body through traffic. Just gets a little bit on it. Americans in second half stoppage time. Trying to get a third. And it's going to come from Ashley Sanchez. Yeah, this is very fortunate. Alex Morgan got turned here. A little defensive uh, effort, a little flick. And Ashley Sanchez, right place, right time. So the U.S. then win 3-0 over Costa Rica in the CONCACAF W Championships. That means they are through to the final on July 18th. We'll know later tonight whether they'll face the winner, whether they'll face Canada or Jamaica in the CONCACAF W Championship. Time now to welcome in our next guest here on Football America, Cindy Parlo Cohn, the president of U.S. Soccer. All right, let's pull the curtain back a little bit here because we're actually taping this interview at halftime of the USA Costa Rica game. So, Cindy, I want to get your thoughts so far on the performance of the United States, not necessarily in this game, but at the CONCACAF W Championship overall. I know you heard the words from Vlad Goyanovsky saying, you know, we may not be ready for the World Cup today, but we'll be ready in a year. So what have you thought so far from what you've seen? Yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, obviously we want them to be sharper in front of goal and, 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 and finishing these chances, but the number of young players that are getting this experience in a qualification tournament of this style, um, I think is really huge. It's going to speak volumes for us next year. Um, so we're a year out from the world cup and we know, um, that we're not informed for the world cup right now. We don't need to be, um, but we do need, um, to, to, to keep getting better every single game, which I think the team is achieving that. And hopefully we can pull out the victory here um, and then win the final as well so we can qualify for the Olympics. Uh, speaking of big tournaments, uh, there have been reports about a potential U.S. bid for the Women's World Cup in 2027, uh, potentially by yourself or with Mexico, even 2031. Where are you today with those reports? Yeah, well, FIFA hasn't opened up the bidding yet for either World Cup, so we are keeping our options open right now. So we'll, we will bid for either the 27 or the 31 World Cup. Mm. What, what impact do you think that would have on the game here, Cindy? I mean, it's huge. I mean, we're our, we saw what the 99 World Cup did for us here. And now I just think soccer and women's soccer and women's sports in general um, are on a whole new level with a whole new platform. And the investment in our game is at a level that we have never seen before. And I think hosting a World Cup here, we'll, we will just see exponential growth in our game. Cindy, when people look back on your tenure, I think the first thing they're going to say is equal pay, right? There's a huge achievement. So I want to get a sense for you how that agreement between the men's national team and the women's national team has impacted your day-to-day -day as president and also maybe day-to-day -day of, of the Federation's work across, across all, of the, all of the areas in which the Federation does its work. Well, yeah, I mean, not only getting equal pay with the CBAs, but also resolving the litigation has just like made this dark cloud that was hanging over all of our heads move along. And, you know, it, it affected everything that we did at the Federation. And so now to have kind of a reset with our national team players on the men's and women's side, um, to move forward together, to actually be aligned with each other and hoping each other succeed, I think is really great. Um, and it has allowed me to sleep a little bit more at night, which I'm also appreciative for. <laughs> Equal pay was one of the uh, huge stories over the last 12 months, but so were the abuse scandals in the NWSL. Um, where are you today in terms of that with the Sally Yates investigation? 
man, you just like to shift from a high to a low, right? <laughs> just like that. Like there's nothing in between, no transition. I, I You've see seen the show. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Um, yeah, you know, obviously the, the, the investigation is ongoing and we're all awaiting the results. Um, you know, I think my personality is when I heard that I was like, okay, tell me what I need to change right now. And I want to start taking action right now. Um, but I, I think through this investigation, we're really going to learn what action we actually need to take, what is going to be in the impactful changes that we as a federation, that the leagues, um, in our youth game, what, what do we really need to change and, and, what do we need to create in order for um, players to feel safe to report and to increase reporting as well? So um, I'm looking forward to the report. I, I don't have the timeline. I'm hoping sometime in the next couple of months, but I don't have the exact timeline of when Sally Yates will be done with her report. Uh, let's talk men's national team. Uh, what's a, I guess, what are the expectations for you for the men in Qatar? Yeah. I mean, for us, for the men, we want them to, to get out of their bracket, right? That's first and foremost. And then as we all know, with the world cup and, and in our game, anything can happen from there. So I do think we have a really challenging group. Um, we have some teams that we're familiar with, and then we have some teams that we're not as familiar with. So, um, I, I think it's going to be difficult to get out of the group, but I think I, the men are really good. And, you know, I've just been, I just really enjoyed watching them play the young players. They are, um, they're, they're just a great group of guys and are just so exciting to watch right now. Um, and we have the largest pool that we've ever had. So I don't envy Greg and trying to pick that final roster. Um, but for us at us soccer, obviously getting out of the group is first and foremost. And then we know that anything can happen after that. One of the big parts of the men's national team program, obviously, is Ernie Stewart, right? He kind of sits above it all. We just found out he's getting a new contract extension. Cindy, I'm curious uh, a little bit about kind of what went into the decision and, and the role that you play in that decision. Yeah, so Ernie sits over the men's and the women's team, so not, and, and then also um, all the youth national teams under it. So he's our sporting director. Um, and, you know, I think Ernie's done a great job for the first time um, it, it, since I've known. There's a real link to what the men's team, the women's team, and our youth national team, and our extended national teams are doing. And there's a lot of collaboration among all the teams and coordination among all the teams and the sharing of the information um, and from style of play um, to set pieces to um, types of players that we're looking for in different positions. So I think Ernie's done a really great job um, in aligning our vision on the sporting side. Um, so I think we were all really excited when he wanted to stay. Cindy, big picture here. Uh, we're heading to a massive four years uh, for the sport in this country with the 2026 World Cup uh, incoming. What are your goals uh, for the rest of the term? Um, I have a lot. <laughs> I have a lot of goals. I think, I mean, you mentioned World Cup 26. Um, this is going to be a moment like no other in this country. Um, as we host the World Cup alongside Canada and Mexico, um, we've got to make sure that we do everything that we can in the lead up during the World Cup and post World Cup to make sure we capitalize on this momentum and make sure that we're growing participation, growing investment in our game, growing fandom. Um, in, in all the different ways. And so just working with all of our stakeholders from our membership to our sponsors to um, our, our, our other stakeholders to make sure that we're really capitalizing on World Cup 26. Um, other things is um, kind of going in hand in hand with what with 26, but really just increasing the diversity in our game, mm. uh, especially at the youth level. So increasing access to our game is hugely important to me. Um, and so working towards different initiatives in order to do that. Um, another big thing that I'm looking to do is to build a national training center so that us soccer really has a home that will host, um, our national teams as well as our staff. So right Right now, our staff is in Chicago and our youth national teams and full national teams travel all over the country and the world uh, to train and play. So it'd be great to really have a home. 
Cindy, I'm sure that you're tracking what's going on down in Mexico with the Federation. They've just had kind of a, a cleaning of the slate, if you will. And, and the big discussion now in Mexico is what kind of person should be leading the Federation, and specifically from the you know, sporting director role? Should it be somebody who's a suit or should it be a soccer person? Now, I remember when you were running for president, you said soccer people should be running this. Why, in your opinion, was that so important to you? Why do you think we need soccer people at the very top? Because soccer people have one thing in mind, and that is just to try to make things better in the game. Um, and obviously there's a whole business side of it that you have to know and understand. You, you, I mean, you can't just jump in and not understand and you have to be able to read a P and L sheet. Um, so you, you, you have to have some experience in the business world. Um, but I, I, I feel really strongly that it's really important to have soccer people running soccer and, you know, Mexico has, has made great strides on the women's side. Um, they didn't have a great performance in this qualification tournament. Um, but they They've invested heavily in their women's professional league, um, and they're going to reap the benefits of that in years to come. And, and we're already seeing some benefits um, with the youth national team. So uh, don't count Mexico out. Um, they may be a little bit down now, um, but they will come back and be stronger than ever. All right, there she is, Cindy Parlocone, president of U.S. Soccer. Thank you so much for the time. We hope you got, got you done in time for the second half, yeah? I'm going right back to the second half. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Cindy. Thank you, Cindy. Great to have Cindy with us there. Uh, awesome. And I hope she did enjoy the second half. Let's run it back. Her Daryl DK's got his first goal with West Brom. There you go. It was bound to happen. And listen, it only takes one. Could this be the beginning? Could this be a Daryl DK out of nowhere making a run at that number nine position for Greg Burhalter? Wow from preseason goal to making a run at the starting spot in the World Cup. We never get ahead of ourselves, do we, here on Football America? Outsides? Different <laughs> outsides. Uh, Johnny Cardoso, 20-year-old, born in New Jersey, gets his first assist for Internacional in Brazil. First assist of the season. Just like he planned it. Look at that. <laughs> but he'll take it. Johnny Cardoso uh, could be a Olympic hopeful, by the way. Still age eligible. Not that deep at the sixth position. This could be a guy to keep an eye on. Yep. One of the many players who've gotten their senior national team debut under Greg Berhalder. Johnny Cardoso with his first assist of the season in Brazil. Highlights from Wednesday night in Liga MX, Club América, Toluca. 31st minute. Ooh, controversy here. Claudio Baeza fouling Diego Valdez. Herc, he gone. Yeah, he's gone. It's wet. It's slippery. You can't go in that way. St studs are shown, even though in real time it does look a bit soft. Mm. Looks like he tried to pull out, but hey, it's a red card. Toluca then reduced to 10 men. Would Las Aguilas be able to take advantage? Stoppage half for the first time. Que golazo, Hercules. Yeah, it's deflected one. It still is a golazo, but oh, check this out. Oh, oh, here comes the VAR right to ruin everything. Look right here. You see Volpi, he's trying to see where the ball is and he can't see because guess who's in his line of sight? Henry Martin. Henry Martin. That's another maybe soft one, but it's the correct call. Okay. So America's goal then taken off the board. And we were all even at the half. It would stay that way until second half stoppage time when Richard Sanchez does this. This guy only scores bangers. Dude, where did he hit this from? Ah, the same place he hits every single goal he scores from. Downtown, baby. Look at the movement on this. Thiago Volpi, he makes it. I'm surprised he even touched it. I'm insulted he dove, but oh. I'm surprised he touched it. No respect for the shot from Richard Sanchez from Volpi. FC Juarez, they've signed Carlos Salcedo to a two-year deal, Herc. <laughs> the 28-year-old lasted just a few months with Toronto FC, who, by the way, now have an open designated player spot. Yeah. Herc, what do you think about this? Is it a lateral move, a move backward, a move forward for Salcedo at this point in his career? Can I, can I just for a second talk about the facha? Look at the style, my man. My man's doing a reggaeton video, and I'm here for it. Um, this is a step forward. Let's be honest. In Toronto, it was out of sight, out of mind. Mm. I mean, nobody paid attention to what Carlos Salcedo was doing in Toronto. Here in Mexico, in the Mexican side, when the pundits, the fans, they didn't see any of this. Tata Martino didn't see any of that. And guess what? He should be thankful they didn't see any of that. Now he's back in Mexico in Juarez, a team that's doing very well. He'll be in the eye of the hurricane mm. in a very weak player pool. When you look at the Mexican center backs, he's only 28 years old. He went from being 
a starter with the Mexican national team. Nobody moves this guy from the Mexican national team at 28 years old to on the outs, not even being called up. It's not like he lost his position and he has to work his way. He's not even getting called up anymore. Well, now, supposedly, because that's what he says, Salcedo, that's what he's told us as well, he's cleared the air. It's a World Cup year. He's going to be back in Liga MX and a team that's invested heavily. Maybe they do well. They're a very good defensive team at the moment. Maybe he is part of that, and maybe this is an avenue to get back onto the Mexican national team. Yeah, he's cleared the air. I wonder if for Tata Martino the, the air is truly cleared, right? Is this a visibility issue, or is it a trust issue? We'll find that out in the next couple months, right? If he plays really well for Juarez and he works his way back into the national team, we will know that all is well that ends well. I'm now for a parting shot and further proof that this is the most powerful studio in all of American soccer, Herc. Not 24 hours after I complained that DC United, four years after opening Audi Field, had not finished the roof, Stephen Goff of the Washington Post reporting that DC United will finish the roof this winter for a cost of around 10 to $12 million. Herc, they're calling it the Efecto Fútbol Américas. That's what we do. That's what we do. Congratulations, I guess, Seb. I mean, you tell me. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what's surprising? When I saw the, the sticker price here, I would have thought, man, if we were waiting four years, four years to build a roof, it must have been a $50 million or $100 million roof. But it's only $10 or $12 million, which for billionaires, you know, isn't all that much. But real talk, if anybody wants to know the priorities of DC United's ownership and Jason Levian, here it is. He built a sports book in his stadium before he finished the roof. Gotta a make money. A sports book before the roof. Gotta make money. You can bet on DC United if you're crazy enough. All right, Herc, should we, should we give him a little bit of a sneak peek of what's coming on Monday? Who are you sitting down with earlier today? I sat down with Christian Pulisic, and he will be on the show Monday. But guess what, Seb? That's not I've been working on. I've been working on something as well. Who you got? Okay, so you're going to be in studio on Monday out there in L.A. I'm going to be in studio out there hopefully in L.A. I'll on Monday. Hopefully, 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 hopefully. We're working on it. Working on and you know who's definitely going to be there joining us? Who? Greg Berhalter, U.S. <laughs> men's national team manager. Are you serious? I'm serious. I'm serious. Oh, I got a few questions. Don't be Greg. running scared. Don't, you don't be running scared now. Greg. There he is, Hercules Gomez, Sebastian Salazar. We'll be joined by both Christian TikTok, Pulisic TikTok, and Greg TikTok, Berhalter on Greg. Monday's TikTok, edition of Football TikTok, Américas. TikTok, Do TikTok. not miss it.